Open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1, and Matthew chapter 28, Acts 1 and Matthew 28. Really enjoyed that song, Maureen. Thank you for that. And it was good to see Jim McDermott up here leading the music. Boy, people like that. He's an amazing organizer and, and engineer, and, and he can sing too. I, I don't really like people that are that talented, if I'm being honest. But uh, praise the Lord for that. It's good to see Jet. He, he was a number one draft pick for that team. So it's good to, if you weren't at the kickoff, you don't understand that, but uh, that's all great. So we are diving into our Acts study, and it just ties in perfectly with you young people and these graduates and, and the plan for their life. The title that I've given our study in the book of Acts is The Beginning of Our Story. The Beginning of Our Story. And, you know, the church didn't end at the book, end of the book of Acts. The church will exist throughout eternity with Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21 that God would receive glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages. Amen. And so we're going to be worshiping Jesus Christ as a church throughout all ages. And I'm very thankful for that. And so this is the beginning of our story. And young people, this is the beginning of your story. You're finished with high school, and it feels like there are different changes that are going to be coming into your life. I was thinking about Olivia. She's going to be studying criminal psychology so that she can understand her father. I think that's exactly what's going on, and um, he is a case study in the criminal mind. But we're going to have a blast going through this, and one of the things that's fun, James Knox in his uh, uh, survey, New Testament survey, he just had a line that uh, just like two lines, two or three lines in a paragraph, and he was talking about how the first chapter in the book of Acts is actually repeating what is said in the last chapters of the Gospels. And so I thought, well, I, but that sounds interesting. I want to check that out. And so I went and looked at these passages of Scripture, and that's what my message is today. And it really is the beginning of our story. Last week, we talked about how the book of Acts is a transition from the Old Testament Gospels to the New Testament epistles. So those letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church, from the law to grace, from Peter the Apostle to the Jews to Paul the Apostle to the Gentiles, it's a transitional book. But we know that the New Testament began, not in Matthew 1 or Mark chapter 1, the New Testament began with the death of Jesus Christ. The Bible says a testament is not a force, while the testator liveth, Hebrews chapter 9. So Jesus Christ, in the book of Luke, he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. The New Testament began with the death of Jesus Christ. But there was a transition period. So Jesus Christ died at the end of all of these Gospels, and then he rose from the dead, but he told them to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, which comes in Acts chapter 2. So while there's a transition from Acts 1 all the way to Acts 28, it is a transition, and we'll see that there is a significant transition that takes place at the end of Acts chapter 7. We're going to be seeing all of those things, but there was even a transitional time from the time of the death of Christ to the time of the sending of the Holy Spirit. This is a kind of a limbo time in the, the history of the church but what's interesting is how there is a development of teaching if you go from Matthew to Mark to Luke to John 
And then it's all repeated in chapter 1 of the book of Acts. So what I want us to do is I want us to look at the beginning of our story. Keep your place in Acts chapter 1. But go with me to Matthew chapter 28. Let's pray before we dive in. Lord, help us as we study your word. Father, I pray that our church will be uh, edified by this. But today, my desire is that these young people understand that they're just beginning and that now as they begin making decisions on their own, that uh, you have given them the formula that you want them to follow right here in this text. In Jesus' name, amen. So what we see in Matthew chapter 28, if you look at verse 1, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene. Came Mary Magdalene. So what we have here is the first day of the week. Mary comes. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. If you look down in verse 3, his countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angels answered and said unto the women, Fear ye not, for I know that ye seek Jesus, look at this, which was crucified, which was crucified. So what do we have? We have the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Verse 6, isn't this a wonderful verse? He is not here, for he is risen as he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples word. So the first thing that we see is in Matthew chapter 28, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the end of the gospel of Matthew ends with the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. Hold your place here in Matthew. Go back to Acts chapter 1. And look at verse 2. Until the day in which, this is about Christ, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Now look at this. To whom? To these apostles. Acts 1 and verse 3. To whom also he showed himself alive. After his passion, that's his death, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So what do we see? Acts chapter 1 has the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And young people, here's the thing that's so important. Your life in Christ has to begin with a resurrected life. If you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, Jesus did die on the cross for you. But that doesn't apply to your account unless you receive Christ as your Savior. So ultimately, it begins with you being buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. How does that work? When you are baptized into Christ, the Bible says you're baptized into his death. You're baptized into his death. What does that mean? You have to get water baptism so that you can go to heaven? No. No, when you're saved, the Holy Spirit places you into Jesus Christ. And that is when you are made alive. Ephesians chapter 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. He's made you alive and your life begins with the resurrection. But how many of you are glad that when Jesus Christ rose from the dead that he didn't just leave? He actually showed himself alive. He walked among his brethren, his apostles. He made himself evident to 500 people. Now, here's the amazing thing about this. I don't know if you've ever thought of this. 
Jesus Christ didn't appear to the people who had killed him. Jesus didn't appear to the high priests. Jesus didn't appear to those people. Jesus appeared to the people that were going to follow him. And it's the same way today. There are people today that can't see Jesus. They can't find Jesus. They don't know Jesus. Why? Because they will not submit to him. They will not bow. The beginning of our story as a church, it has to begin with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes, we celebrate that at Easter, but every Sunday is about gathering together and worshiping on this day because this is the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Praise his name. He rose from the dead. It starts with the resurrection. That's the first thing that we're given at the end of the book of Matthew. It's the resurrection. And you have to walk in newness of life. You are raised to walk in newness of life. The Bible says there in Ephesians 4, not to walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of your mind. In the vanity of your mind. What is that? Empty-headed. Empty-headed, thinking about nothing. How many of you know people that ruin their lives because they never take thought for what they're doing? That's not what you need to do. And we as a church, we can't do that. If we're going to be a biblical church, the beginning of our story is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead and leave us. Jesus Christ rose from the dead, taught the apostles, and we continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and prayer. That's who we are. We can't make the church what we want it to be. It has to be based on a supernatural event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the foundation of who we are. And that's the transition that takes place. That's the vital teaching between chapters 1 and 2. But not only that, look at verse 19. Matthew 28, back in Matthew chapter 28. Make sure you keep your marker there in Acts 1 because we're going to be coming back. Matthew 28 and verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And how many of you are glad he did? Are you glad? Are you born again? You know Christ as your Savior based on the death, burial, and resurrection? That's not enough. No, it's enough to go to heaven. You don't have to do anything else to go to heaven. Isn't that wonderful? Nothing else to go to heaven. But you're not done. Just as Jesus Christ didn't immediately go to heaven, Jesus Christ taught after he rose from the dead, he went and gathered his disciples, he taught them about the kingdom of God. We'll be talking about that, explaining what all of that means. But he gathered them together and then he sent them out. Folks, we have something to do. And young people, you have something to do. I'm glad you're going to be a teacher. We need godly teachers. Even though I want the public school system shut down. Amen? It's a destructive force. I'm glad we have Christians in there. But please never think that system is, is going to endorse what you want to do. Amen? We've got to be light and darkness, but before you can be light and darkness, you've got to recognize it's dark out. got to turn the light on. Amen? Criminal justice. Man, the criminal justice system right now, with everything that's going on, it's not for you. It's not for you. Your job is not to reform those industries. Your job is to fulfill the great commission, either in that job or in your home, whatever it is that God calls you to do. Your job is to be a Christian. And being a Christian is different than being saved. Right? Living as a Christian means you are a Christ follower. 
And as a church, the beginning of our story is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It begins with the gospel, but then it continues with preaching the gospel to others and making disciples. Making disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is one who follows Christ with the intent to learn and learns with the intent to obey. You cannot obey Christ without following the Lord in believer's baptism. Notice what the Bible says, and we'll see this again in our next book. Go ye therefore, verse 19, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Ghost. You teach them, and then you baptize them. Ben's about to go out there. He's already getting a spanking this early in his life. It's an amazing thing. We don't baptize that boy because he, what does he believe right now? Nothing. Amen? The Bible tells us what a church is supposed to be. The beginning of our story was Jesus Christ giving us the orders, the marching orders for the church. Preach the resurrection. Preach the resurrection. We have a living Savior who ever lives to make intercession for his saints. He is our advocate. There's one God and one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. That's our beginning, but then we function as a church. Baptism is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ only for believers, only for believers. And that's taught in the book of Acts. Obviously, that's taught in the book of Matthew. The beginning of our story is God giving us our marching orders. In this interim period, before the sending of the Holy Spirit, we are told to make disciples and to baptize believers. But that's not enough. That's not enough. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever the Lord commanded. So I know that all three of you have been baptized because I was there. Now, here's the deal. That's not enough. That's not enough. How do we observe all things? You know, we hear about observant Jews. What are observant Jews? These are Jews that continue to live by the law. They observe the law. How are we to observe all things whatsoever the Lord commanded? We need to be sitting under the preaching and teaching of God's word regularly. We need to be involved with the preaching and teaching of God's word. How many of you know that it's not enough for you to sit there and hear the teaching, that you must be teaching someone else? The job of the church is to reproduce reproducers. And if the church reproduced a whole bunch of people like you, what kind of shape would the church be in? Is that a sobering thought? What if the whole church was like me? We would be awesome. A bunch of angry, impatient people that don't care a whole lot about anything else except books and golf. Well, maybe pens. Listen, if we're going to observe all things whatsoever the Lord commanded, that is a lifetime study. This isn't the end of our story. This is the beginning of our story. And young ladies, this is the beginning of your story. The beginning So what do we have in the book of Matthew? We have the resurrection. We have the great commission. Now, let's go to the book of Mark. Go to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. This is so fun. Look at verse 9. Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week. Now, notice that they always have to tell us it's the first day of the week. First day of the week. First day of the week. It's Sunday. 
It's Sunday. We gather together. So what does Mark begin with? Mark, here at the end of the book of Mark, it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But Mark, remember, Jesus, the, the book of Matthew presents Jesus as the king of the Jews. So verse 18 of Matthew chapter 28, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. He's the king. Amen? He's the king. Here, Jesus Christ is a suffering servant in the book of Matthew. In the book of Matthew, one of the things that is emphasized is action. It was written for the Roman mind. It's for the man's man. It's for the, the person who is interested in doing something. And so what do we have? We have the resurrection of Christ. But also, look at what it says in verse 14. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after that he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 19. So then after, that, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. So what do we have at the end of the book of, of Mark? We have the resurrection of Jesus. Then we also have the ascension of Jesus Christ. Now, what is the ascension about? What is the ascension about? Now, you know that only Jesus ascended. Now, you know that Mary did not ascend. Right? Jesus is the only one that ascended. And this ascension of Jesus Christ, go, go to, keep your place here in Mark, go to Acts chapter 1. And the account of the ascension is pretty profound. Verse 9, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Now, how many of you think that would be a significant event? Right? You're standing there. And I guarantee you, this was involved. And they're just standing there gazing. He went up. This is a really significant event. But what is the significance of it? Go back to the book of Mark. I want you to see this. Verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. What does that mean? His work is done. His work is done. The ascension, yes, Jesus Christ died. Yes, Jesus Christ rose again. Yes, he spent time, 40 days, with his disciples, establishing them in the things of the kingdom of God. But when he ascended and he sat down, he was finished. His work of redemption was done. Isn't that a blessing? So here's the, what does this have to do with the beginning of the church? What does this have to do with the beginning of your story? Because your Savior ever lives to make intercession for you. You have access to the throne of God because of Jesus Christ. And remember what the Bible says about what the disciples did in Acts chapter 2. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in prayer. Doctrine and prayer. Doctrine and prayer. How many of you know there are churches that pray a lot and they have absolutely no teaching? I don't want us to be a church that has a lot of teaching and no prayer. Amen? We have to understand that the reason Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father was to be our mediator, to be our Savior, to be our Lord, to, get, to, be, have, to have been given preeminence. Man, I'll speak English part of this time. 
to be given preeminence over everything pertaining to the church. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. He has made him head over all things pertaining to the church. So he is over us. He is for us. We are saved through him and we have access to the Father through him. So what do we see? In the book of, in the book of Matthew, we have the resurrection and the great commission. In the book of Mark, we have the, the resurrection, the ascension, and the great commission. What is the great commission? Look at verse 16. Verse 15, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he gives us the order again. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. It's very simple. You believe and then you're baptized. But your baptism doesn't have anything to do with whether or not you're damned. Look at what it says, verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You believe and then you're baptized. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Not that he that believeth not and is not baptized. Very important that you understand that distinction. When we get to the Gospel of John and see the transition, you'll see how important those individual words are. He gives us some teaching on that in his transition. But here what we see is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then we see his ascension, but also a great commission. Jesus rose from the dead, but he wants us to do something. He wants us to tell people about him. And here's the result of that. This is so fun. Look at verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere. Oh, go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? Verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere. Look, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Now, do we have the signs of an apostle? No. No. No, 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 no. But does God still work with us? Amen. So what do we have? We have in this transition, preach the resurrection. Understand that you have a a Savior that's making intercession for you. That's the head of the church. Preach and baptize. Preach and baptize. Why? What does baptism do? Baptism identifies a person as a believer in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But baptism following salvation identifies you with a local church, a local church like Grace Baptist Church. That's God's plan for the age. So Mark has resurrection, ascension, the Great Commission, and they went. So what are we supposed to do? Young ladies, what are you supposed to do? Believe in the resurrection. Understand that he ascended to make intercession for you and go. Go and tell someone. That's the right thing. Now go to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 24. Look at verse 5. Verse 4 is good. And it came to pass... As they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. And then he reminds them, Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And they remembered his words. Jesus Christ is risen. All right? So we see that in the text. Now, this is what we'll see. So in Matthew, you had the resurrection and the Great Commission. 
In Mark, you have the resurrection, the ascension, and the Great Commission. We're going to see something different, something added in each of these Gospels. What's added here? Look in Luke chapter 24. Look at verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. So do you see how we have this building? What we have is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have the ascension of Jesus Christ. But you also have the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the whole emphasis, the whole emphasis of the book of Acts is that Jesus Christ has ascended to the right hand of the Father. There's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. But right now, with Jesus at the right hand of the Father, it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that all the work will be done. It can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then look at what it says in verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, thus it is written and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem and ye are witnesses of these things. So what do we have? Resurrection of Jesus Christ, the ascension of Jesus Christ, the great commission, but also the promise of the Holy Spirit. So what is this telling us about the beginning of our story? That we've got to preach the death, burial, and resurrection. That Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of the Father. He is still the power in everything that we do. He is our head. He's there to make intercession for us. It must be done through doctrine and prayer. Then we teach about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ among all nations. We baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But the work cannot be done without the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit had not yet come. Jesus said, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Holy Spirit will not come unto you. But if he comes unto you, then what's he going to do? He's going to guide you into all truth. And so, young people, what does this have to do with you? The only way you're ever going to understand the Bible, the only way you're ever going to do anything for God is through the power of the Holy Spirit. As you access God by prayer, and then you understand the power of the Holy Spirit through the word of God. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The Holy Spirit will work through you through the word of God. But that indwelling Holy Spirit, that was a new thing. That was new information that was coming. All of that is in Acts chapter 1. And we'll be seeing that. Now go to the book of John. Let's see how the book of John ends. So, Matthew, king of the Jews, all power is given unto me. The book of Mark, the suffering servant, point action. You have the ascension of Jesus Christ, and they went. They acted on what Jesus Christ had said. The book of Luke presents Jesus Christ as the perfect man. As the perfect man, Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead for our sins. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. But before he did that, he gave the promise of the Holy Spirit, and he gave them the message. The death, burial, resurrection, and repentance of sin. That's the message that we preach. What does John teach? Look at verse, John chapter 21, and look at verse 14. 
This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So what do we have? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'd love to take the time and go through that account, but that's not what we're doing today. Not only that, but look at what it says. We're seeing some things added to the message. Verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. What's repetition in the Bible? God's volume control. Look at what it says at the end of verse 16. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. The end of verse 17, Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. What is this? This is discipleship. This is exactly what discipleship is. Hold your place here. Go to the book of First Peter chapter 5. Peter got the message. First Peter chapter 5, look at verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. So Jesus Christ saw, or so Peter saw Jesus on the cross, but he was also on the Mount of Transfiguration and saw the glory of Christ. All right? As much glory as Christ could reveal without killing them. Verse 2, feed the flock of God. What was the message that God gave Jesus, or gave Peter? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep. What's Peter telling these, these believers now? Feed the flock, feed the flock, feed the flock. That is exactly what we're supposed to do. Verse 3, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. An example is one giving uh, instruction from afar. An example is one that they see up close. That's exactly what's happening there. And then look at what it says, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So go back to John chapter 21. So what do we have? We have the resurrection. We have discipleship. But here's something fun that's added. This is really fun. Look at what God does here in verse 22. You know what? Look at verse 20 for the context. John 21. In verse 20, then Peter, turning about, see it, so remember Jesus has just told Peter what his future is. Then Peter, turning about, see it, the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? All right, so remember Jesus, John asked Jesus that. Verse 21, Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? So Peter, just like us, God told him what Peter's gonna, what God had told Peter what he was gonna do. Now he says, what about John? What are you gonna do with John? What's up with him? What's he gonna do? This is just awesome. And look at Jesus' answer. It says in verse 22, Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. What is it? What, listen to what he said. What's it to you, Peter? It's amazing. You do your work. Remember what the Bible says that, that Paul wrote, and some are of the number, comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. It's, it's not up to me what you do, it's not up to you what I do. God has a plan for you. You do your plan. You do what God has told you. And young ladies, don't compare yourself to, well, I'm definitely doing better than they are. 
You do what God has called you to do and stop worrying about what everybody else is doing. You do what God has called you to do. That's exactly what's told here. But look at what's added. So we have the resurrection and the Great Commission in Matthew. We have the resurrection and the ascension and the Great Commission in Mark. In Luke, we have the resurrection, we have the ascension, and the promise of the Holy Spirit. What's added here? Verse 22. Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. What's added here? The second coming. The second coming. So what's the message of the church? What is it? The message of the church is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptize them following their belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Make disciples of them. Turn them into followers of Christ who can teach someone else the Bible, relying on the ascended Christ who's seated at the right hand of the Father. And then remember, he's coming back. Don't be married, so married to this world. Jesus Christ is coming again. But there's a real fun thing that's also added. Look at what happens. Verse 22, Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren, among the brethren that that disciple should not die. So here's what people thought. John's not going to die. Jesus said, if he lives until I come back, what is that to thee? Look at what it says. Yet, Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? What do we learn? We learn how to interpret the Bible right here. This is what's added. What's the most important thing for the church? Death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Understanding that we're going to do it in the power of Jesus Christ through the indwelling Holy Spirit as we rightly divide the word of truth. And it's all here in Acts chapter 1 and the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the beginning of our story. We're going to flesh that out this evening in the evening service. Let's go to Acts chapter 1 and I want you to see this. Let's tie all of this together. The resurrection is in verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. That's his death, burial, and resurrection. Verse 5, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. That's the adding of the, the Holy Spirit. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So believers' baptism by water is there, but also the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then, look at what it says in verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Here's the Great Commission. Verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. There's the ascension. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. The second coming of Jesus Christ. What do we have? The death, burial, and resurrection. We have baptism by water following belief. We have the Great Commission. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We have the ascension of Jesus Christ and the promise of the Holy Ghost. Folks, I'm sorry, the promise of Jesus Christ's return. This is the beginning of our story, and this is the beginning of your story. Live the resurrection life. Follow the Lord and believers' baptism. Make disciples. 
Do the work by praying to Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Teach other people to live the way that Jesus Christ has taught us to live through the Word and through the apostles. Teach them to do that and look for the second coming of Jesus Christ. If you will do that, it's the beginning of a wonderful story. If you don't do that, it's the beginning of a tragic story. Because the Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And what the Bible says about that is this chastening is not joyous, but it's grievous. So you can either have a happy life or you can have a grievous life. And it's all based on the beginning of your story. Grace Baptist Church, do we want God to use us? Do we want this church to fulfill what Jesus Christ has said for us to do? This is the beginning of our story. He's laid the groundwork. That's why we do what we do. And it's going to be so exciting. It's going to be so exciting to learn all of these things from this book of Acts. Let's be the people that God wants us to be. Amen? Let's all stand together. Lord, you're so good to us. I pray that if there's someone here that has not trusted you as Savior, that today will be the day of their salvation. And Lord, I pray for these graduates and for Alex. And I just pray that they will follow you, that they will live out your story for them. Father, help us to be the church that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've never asked Christ to save you, let today be the day. Receive Christ. Trust him as your Savior. And the rest of us, Let's get involved in God's story. Let's get involved in God's plan. Let's do what he wants us to do. Amen?